Welcome to this episode of Danzanru Origin Stories, where we ask members of our Danzanru community to share about how they got started in the arts, their origin story. I'm your host, Hilary Kaplowitz, Sensei of Pacific Jiu-Jitsu Kai and a professor of Danzanru Jiu-Jitsu with the American Judo and Jiu-Jitsu Federation. joined by Professor Tom Ryan of the American Judo and Jiu-Jitsu Federation and Sensei of Palmetto Jiu-Jitsu Academy and Healing Arts Center in Lexington, South Carolina. Welcome. Well, hello, everybody. It's great to have you here. I'm going to jump in and start with the first question. And it's, how long have you been training in Donzonru Jiu-Jitsu? I started my training in 1982 in Eureka, California. And uh, can you tell us about my, about your first day in Donzanru, how old you were, where was it, which you just mentioned, and who was the sensei? Yes, um, let's see, I was 32 years old. I had done a lot of other martial arts, um, but I had never really seen jujitsu. Um, my, uh, and it all started with a gentleman by the name of Jim Heidinger. And this was in the fall of 1982. And I was actually, uh, I was a, an x-ray tech working in Eureka and um, going to school at night uh, to become a stockbroker. And they had this signs up on the campus uh, at College of the Redwoods about a demonstration in martial arts and I loved martial arts. So I went and uh, they were doing the demonstration and I was sitting down in front. And finally, um, Sensei Heidinger said, is there anybody out there that can tick and punch and take a fall? Well, I raised my hand and went right up on the stage. And uh, he, he leaned over and told me, he goes, I have somebody in the audience. Uh, you sure you can do this? And I said, well, yeah, I've done a lot of Taekwondo and I studied Judo in Hawaii when I was in the service. And he goes, well, okay. And so he called out this little, uh, she, she weighed about 130, 135 pounds. And he, uh, sensei said, uh, go ahead and kick her, punch her, just attack her. And so um, I did. And I threw a right roundhouse right at her head. And the only thing I remembered was her ponytail coming at my eyes as she spun in front of me. And then somebody hitting me on the back, waking me up. And um, they had to tell me what happened because I had no idea. Um, when I kicked, she blocked the kick to the head and grabbed my leg and threw Sewe Nagi. And I landed flat on my back. They said I went straight over the top and flat on my back, and it knocked me out. Well, I didn't know why this person was hitting me on the back. I do now, but I did not then. And uh, finally, I, I come back to my senses, and um, the crowd is cheering, like, oh, my God. She's crying, and Jim's at, or Sensei Heidinger's asking me, are you okay? And I got up and I said, I don't know what happened, but um, can I come to your class? <laughs> and he said, yeah. And so the next night I was there and that's how that started. 
that's a great story. It's too bad that's not on film. Uh, I wished I would have seen it. I only felt it. <laughs> so you, and uh, that person ended up to be Choilana Pepper, hmm. who was uh, later to become a Choi Estes, Dennis's wife. Oh, wow. Very cool. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned that you had done some different martial arts before you started training at Danzanru. And uh, can you tell us like, what made you start, want, what made you want to start training in martial arts in the first place? Um, gosh, I just love competition and athletics. And um, I always had kind of an interest in um, definitely in fighting in general, but in the, the way an Asian individual would fight versus a Western. Um, so I actually, in 1962, I started in boxing at our local recreation center. And uh, I just loved it. And my dad was a boxer. My brothers were boxers. And uh, so I did that a lot of years. And then um, got into high school and I started wrestling and uh, did very well. Um, uh, exceptionally well in the state of Ohio, even had a scholarship to Ohio State, um, but didn't take it, decided I wanted to do radiology. So I went to school for radiology instead. And then uh, in the course of this, when I graduated, um, eventually I got drafted. And that was in 1971 into the Army. And it was during this time that I got exposed to uh, Taekwondo. But the Taekwondo I learned uh, wasn't sport. It was the military style of it. So I got to train with uh, the Rock Marines in Korea. Uh, and they were, that's the hardest training I've ever done in my life. Hmm. Uh, but it was absolutely amazing um, when, when you found out what you could really do. And then from there, um, I got transferred to uh, Hawaii and at Tripler Medical Center. And uh, when I was there, I started doing, I still did Taekwondo, but I also started studying Judo at Pearl Harbor Dojo. And so I did that for three years. And then I got sent back to the mainland and ended up at uh, Letterman Medical Center and continued my training there with everybody I could find. Um, and then I was sent to Texas to Bampsey, which is Brook Army Medical Center. Uh, and I really, and this was with um, the Department of Defense. I had gotten transferred out of the military and went, they asked me to go DOD, so I did. And from there, I ended up in Eureka. And so I've always been studying some physical, very physical form of athletics. Well, uh, thanks for sharing all of that. I, I want to ask you next if you could describe one of your earliest memories of jujitsu training. You told us about that, the, your first experience with it, but what about one of the training sessions in the beginning? In the very beginning? <clears throat> um, I would say it, it was as a white belt, and I fell in love with the falling. Mm. And... Um, being um, an x-ray tech, 
people break hips one of two ways. Either the hip breaks and then they fall, or they fall and the hip breaks. And I thought to myself, most injuries happen in altercations in the fall, so I better learn more about it. And that kind of really spurred me on. And the way that um, I was taught the fall was sutemi versus ukemi, and I had learned ukemi. And they're radically different, and I felt the difference immediately. And I said, oh my gosh, this is pretty special. That's, that's great. Uh, that kind of leads me into my next question, which is, what is, your, what is your favorite list or technique to practice? Boy, it's hard to say I have a favorite. Um, but th the one I talk about most is Katati Azushi Ichi. Not the technique, but there's a certain internal motion that happens with that technique that I believe is in every technique. And um, I would say that would definitely be it. And being able to see that motion in everything that you're doing instead of just like, this is a picture and it only belongs here. More like a thread of movement. Uh, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. Um, my next question kind of goes to the flip side and that's asking, what have you found to be the most challenging thing about training? availability so when I moved back east I was a, a, a need on and there was nobody the closest person to me was in Florida which is that's a five and a half hour drive and uh, they did a different system of Danzanru it was the Hawaiian Jiu Jitsu system uh, with Alex Limbaugh and Professor Beach. So it was a different way to do it. The other person that was close to me was Tom Hill, which was 14 and a half hour drive. So I had to find a way to study DZR because I didn't want to do these other things that were so far away. I would go and see uh, Professor Limbaugh um, once a month, but I, I was doing their thing. I wasn't able to do what I wanted to do. So that's when I started looking at these techniques and taking them apart and figuring out what was the same in Yawara Nagi Shime as in the upper boards versus thinking of the upper techniques as separate techniques. What, what components made it up? And why, when I was doing those components, did it not incorporate all the things I had learned in the lower boards? So it really forced me to do my training differently. And um, it worked out okay. <laughs> yes, for sure. Um, so now tell us about your proudest moment in your jiu-jitsu career. Oh my gosh. My, it actually, it, it's, it's not an event. It's more about a feeling that, that I got at um, Tom Ball's ranch. I was a blue belt. And at that, at that camp, I watched all these upper ranks, you know, and, and middle ranks and all of that. And I'm a blue belt in this system. And I watched them 
the way they acted and interacted. And that's the way I felt on the inside, but I could never let anybody see that on the outside. And I went, oh my gosh, I'm home. I found my home. Hmm. I grew up really rough and tumble the way I grew up. And, the, and we grew up in the Appalachia area. So it was, you either worked on a farm in a coal mine or a steel mill, that was it. And um, I just, that event changed me so much so that I didn't want to go home and leave the camp. Tom Ball had to throw me off his ranch. <laughs> yeah, I, I had heard that story before, and I'm glad that you shared it with us um, about how you wouldn't leave. I feel that way at the end of every event. Um, Isn't it amazing? Yes. Uh, yeah. So the, the next question I'm going to ask you is uh, another one that's kind of hard to answer, but after all these years of training, what is it about jujitsu that keeps you interested? Um, it's, it's, that's multifold. Uh, one is seeing students light bulb come on. So it's in their language, in their head, and it's theirs. It's, it's not mimicking me or anybody else. It's like they've discovered this and they've got it. The other aspect of that is every time I get on the mat, I'm still finding these little nuances about why was I moving so much? Why, why didn't I get more internally connected? I'm not listening to the individual enough. Instead, I'm trying to feel them uh, or I'm trying to do something to them rather than just listening and having them fall into the trap that they created. Uh, it's one of the things I love about Don Zanru is that, you know, there's always something to learn. Every time I am on the mat, I swear. And the, the people at the school make fun of me because mm -hmm. I'll be there and I'll be doing something. And all of a sudden I'll just start giggling hmm. and, and somebody will go, uh Oh, because <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, it was there the whole entire time from the very beginning. But because of the restrictions I had in my head and the blinders I had on my eyes, I couldn't see it. And I think that's the hardest thing that we're trying to accomplish is to whittle down to the most simple, most dynamic aspect of what we're doing. And it's so difficult to do. So difficult. Yeah. Well, if, if you could go back in time and give yourself advice early in your jiu-jitsu career, what would you say to yourself? Go with. Hmm. Definitely. So I was a white belt for a year, a solid, and this is going five days a week, uh, two hours a class. <clears throat> I was a blue belt for a complete year. I was a green belt for three and a half years. Hmm. When I look back at those time, the timing of that, and I changed sensei for one. I went uh, from Jim Heidinger to professor, or not professor, to Dave Gordon. Dave was my second sensei. And uh, I was training with Dave and I was still kind of a, I was a knucklehead to be honest with. Mm -hmm. and, and this is about three years in because my idea, this was still fighting for me because I, I have a real uh, combat-based background. And so I saw this as, uh, an application 
um, on the mat, yes, but also in, in life crisis situations. And from Dave, um, I was going to study in Santa Rosa with Tom Tessier, but Dave told me, no, you're gonna drive over the hill to Calistoga and start studying with my sensei, Bob Hudson. And that's how that, and that's how that came to be. And um, that idea of going with is just huge. And it was actually Bob or Professor Hudson now that hit that switch that changed me. He's the one that did it. And he was doing um, Uchimoma Harai on me. And he would drag his foot so that his lateral malalis would stick out as he would hit my supporting leg. And um, he hit it directly on spleen six, not once. The first time he did it, I could hardly get up. But I got up because he was yelling at me, get up. Hmm. And the second time he hit that thing, I thought my leg was going to pop off. And then he yelled at me to get up. The third time he hit it, I couldn't get my leg out of the way fast enough. And I took the best fall I think I've ever taken. Hmm. And, I, and, and the light bulb went on in my head. Just like that. It was done. I, I didn't have to revisit it or struggle with it because I knew what I what just happened. And I tested for my black belt in the age of, and I was still a green belt. I tested for my black belt nine months later. Hmm. I went through Sankyu, Nikyu, EQ. Wow. That's that changed me. And that's been my, my whole thing since then. And it, um, it just changed even the way I see combat. Well, I, I re and you know, I really appreciate you sharing all the stories and especially the ones we, about Professor Hudson, since we share the, that same lineage. Um, yes. And, and I've always appreciated, um, you know, our connection that way. Um, my last question is, is there anything else that you want to share about your origin story or your experiences doing Donzon Ru Jiu-Jitsu? Um, I think I'd like to end it up with, I had a vision way back when I was in California, when I was uh, going to school for, um, for stocks and bonds. And I wrote a paper and because it was my term paper. And I wrote it on having a program where I could teach juniors and adults and uh, be involved in the community and give back. And my paper came back A slash F. <laughs> a for the way I wrote it, F for the content. And um, the professor actually told me I need to pull my head out of my butt <laughs> and get back to reality. Um, but I've, I kept that vision. And I formulated what I did back here according to all the stories I'd ever heard about Okazaki. I was told... Uh, from multiple sources, that he always taught the children. He never gave that program up until he couldn't physically do it anymore. And that's what I've still done. He had a strong healing arts component in it, of which I have. And But, but mine isn't separate. Um, we're constantly teaching the healing directly with the marshal. It's not like I've separated it off much. And the third thing was that... Um, 
I would teach just the martial aspect. So it's like a three prong approach. And as cycling happens, sometimes there's more kids, sometimes there's less. Sometimes there's more adults, sometimes there's less. Sometimes I have a lot more healing, sometimes it's less. And the last part I did is I've built five spas so far. And so I would hire the people in that I trained. And that's kind of what Okazaki did. So he really, he did a favor for me. And I was able to transition after 40 some years in the hospital setting, doing everything from being a darkroom tech to running a medical imaging center to having my own dojo and never working harder in my life than at the dojo. Hmm. But it's a labor of love. So I feel very, very thankful for our system and the way the AJGF put it together, which is different than all the other systems. I've been around a lot of them. And the AJGF, to me, is the most complete. Uh, uh, I agree. You know, it's, a, it's just an honor to be a part of this organization and such a gift that we have in Donzonru. Uh I really want to thank you for taking the time today to share your origin story with us. Well, thank you for the opportunity.